the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt podcast, bringing to you the best voices on the stories and issues that matter. Helping make it all possible is the generous partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy and ADF, the Alliance Defending Freedom. Here's another piece I'll trust you enjoy. I feel a little apologetic because we are in the midst of a terrible crisis in America, and the crisis is America itself. And now I'm going to tell you and feature a brilliant and important book written by a brilliant and important writer that illuminates another terrible problem in this uh, society, again brought to you by the same people who are bringing you this problem. It is out today, the book. I cannot uh, urge you strongly enough to read it. Irreversible Damage, The Transgender Craze Seducing Our Daughters. Abigail Schreier, who has been on this program, writes for the Wall Street Journal now fairly regularly, thank God. And I don't know how you withstood it, but she has a BA from Columbia, a Phil from Oxford, and a JD from Yale Law. I am curious, through all all of those prestigious places, were you lonely or, or have you evolved philosophically? You know, I always had my friends wherever I was. Um, and I, I think I did evolve to some, to some extent. But when I was at Columbia, I was an intern at Commentary Magazine. So um, I used to work there uh, on Fridays. So I was always, you know, um, I think I, I, I don't think I shifted that much ideologically, but, um, but I certainly, you know, had my friends wherever I went. And, and that was true even at crazy Yale Law School. <laughs> Yale Law has really flipped out. Do you know uh, a professor at Yale Law just wrote a book against meritocracy? Are you familiar with that? Well, um, so are, are you talking about... Oh, that's right. The, this is the Mark. It was at Markovitz. Yes, that's right. But no, 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 no Yale. Markovitz is at Yale. He's at Yale. Yeah. I, I saw that. I, I Anthony Cronman though also wrote a book in favor in, in defense of meritocracy, which was excellent. And is he at Yale? He was Law? the dean. Yeah, he was the dean while I was there. And of course, the Federalist Society was actually founded at Yale. So we we always had you know pockets of bo- or pockets of conservatism. The book is irreversible damage, which is so true. The Transgender Craze Seducing Our Daughter. So this is not a book about transgender generally. It's no. specific to young girls. Yeah, it's about the epidemic we're seeing right now of transgender transgender identification among teenage girls, adolescent girls who've had no childhood history of gender dysphoria, which is the discomfort in one's biological sex, um, no, gen- no childhood history, suddenly deciding in friend groups that they're transgender and pushing for hormones and surgeries. It's a phenomenon that's exploded across the West, Scandinavia, England, and America. And it really cries out for explanation. And that's what I sought to do in this book. It's, of course it cries out for explanation, the, especially if, and this is a question, 
this is not nearly as common among adolescent boys. Well, it, so the, the, we have a nearly 100-year his, diagnostic history of gender dysphoria, and it was always little boys who began with it. They, they, um, it the onset began in early childhood, ages two and four, little boys saying, I don't want to be a boy, I'm a girl, call me by a girl name, you know, I only want to play with girls, that sort of thing. Um, so we know what gender dysphoria is. We have never seen it like this. So all of a sudden now, the dominant demographic is teenage girls. In the last decade, it came out of nowhere. And they, they really, what they exhibit, even though they call it gender dysphoria, it doesn't look like gender dysphoria. These are girls who steep in social media. They watch the uh, transgender gurus and influencers on the internet, um, all kinds of social media, in, um, Instagram, Facebook, you know, TikTok, all of them. And they decide with their friends that they are trans. And the numbers are astonishing. We're talking about thousands of percentage point rise. Um, in the last, you know, 10 years in America, we've gone from two gender clinics in the country to well over 50. Um, you know, in between 20, 2016 and 2017, the number of and sur gender surgeries for natal females uh, uh, quadrupled. If uh, my daughter is 15 and says, uh, Dad, Mom, I, I want you to know I'm, I'm really a boy. Can I legally take my daughter to a therapist to work it out and stay with a female identity or is that against the law? So this is part of the reason we have the problem is that the, the co-opting of the medical professional organizations. So in, I think it's eight, we're up to 18 states now in the District of Columbia. It, there, is, there are laws banning so-called conversion therapy. Now the conversion therapy that tried to reform or convert homosexuals was a very grisly thing and it probably should be outlawed. Um, but they inserted, you know, very smart activists inserted gender identity language. So now therapists are not allowed to help a child get comfortable in their biological sex. Wherever these laws apply, they risk losing their licenses. Just for the record, while I, I know the grisly record that you speak of, in a free society, if there is no coercion or deception, uh, people should be allowed. If uh, I had dinner with a gay man who's a Christian, totally acknowledged, that's why I knew he was honest. He acknowledged he's attracted to men to this day. But he said, I'm a Christian. I want to lead a heterosexual life. Married a woman, has children with her. She knows exactly where his fantasy world lies. He's a loving husband. If he wants to work that out with a the therapist, I think even that should be legal. You know, you know, maybe maybe it should be. Um, it, you know, but but I think that the laws were ostensibly intended to, to prohibit the really you know nasty and and, and I know you electric right shock the shock therapy, therapy. Yes, exactly. But but instead, I mean, in in the history of gender dysphoria, you know, for decades and decades now, therapists have very successfully helped children, right. You know, get comfortable in their biological. By the way, sex. in the in the DSM four or five, whatever they're up to, the manual of psychiatric. Uh, diseases or ailments or whatever the term is is gender dysphoria even now listed it is but it's, it's certainly on it seems to be on the way out it they've is. changed the name so it's no longer gender identity what, disorder what is it called uh, gender dysphoria and that de-emphasizes the psychopathology so they they certainly, Wait, certainly does, on the does, way how does the word dysphoria 
de-emphasize psychopathology. The word disorder is no longer in the in the term. So even though it's in a diagnostic, you know, st- anytime you have dis, it's a bad it's a bad <laughs> sign. Dystopia is like the opposite of utopia. Okay. Anyway, the. This is happening with more and more girls. Yes. And one of the reasons you wrote this really important book is to explain this to the best of your ability. So take it away. Why do you think this is happening? So I think it's happening for a bunch of reasons. One of the most important reasons is that there, the girls today are in mental health crisis like we've never, like we've never seen before. Um, suicidal ideation, self-harm. Um, anxiety, these things are through the roof. They are for not only teens, but tweens, you know, young, before they're hit teenagers. So I guess, you know, ages nine to 12, we've never seen suicide among this population. Now we have, now we do. So we know these girls are in terrible distress and we know that it's linked to social media, that these girls really torment themselves in the endless comparing that goes on um, and, and these horrible feedback loops of feeling bad about themselves that social media really encourages and exacerbates. Give me an example. Okay. I'm really not so, familiar. So what, say what, you're a high yeah. school student or a yeah. middle school student and you feel bad about your body because it's changing so dramatically and you've put on some weight and you've got all this discomfort and, and you know, sort of alienation in your body, which is very normal for a young girl. So you might look at another girl when you were my age and say, wow, she's much prettier than I am. I think she's people like her way more than they do me. Well, now you simply go on to, say, Instagram, and you see just how much they like her more and just how much prettier she is because you see how many likes she gets. And, in fact, if she goes out with friends and excludes you, it's not just something you're wondering about. Gosh, did they go to the mall without me? No, you see it on Instagram. Everybody knows they excluded you. And they may even comment on how you look. They'll post pictures of you. And they'll say how, how bad you look in your dress or how much weight you've put on or anything else. So we know that social media is incredibly cruel to girls. And because of you know all sorts of things in the culture that have allowed transgender identification to really rise in, in sort of cultural esteem and, and value... This is one thing that young girls have grabbed onto. They've latched onto as an explanation of what's wrong with them. Oh, it must be gender dysphoria. It's sort of in the culture now. That doesn't mean they're right, just like they weren't right about any of the past hysterias, demonic possession, all the you know, multiple personality disorders. They, it doesn't mean they're correct in their self-diagnosis. So if you're the, are you saying that most of the teenage girls who begin to identify as boys, it is a result of bad self-image induced by social media? So social media is both the cause and the solution. Um, so social media, we know that it's linked to a rise in you know mental health problems in teenage girls most dramatically. Um, it makes all of us feel bad, but especially teenage girls. And, we, and it's also filled with transgender influencers, young teens who say the best thing that ever happened to me was w- when I started T or testosterone. It, my, all my social anxiety went away. It re- redistributed my fat. It got rid of my period. I feel great. And they can't wait to sell this to young teens teens and teens are listening. Well, that's not the same thing as saying you're a boy. It, it says take this hormone. It, it it will have masculinizing effects, but 
That's not the same thing as transgender. Right. So they will start with saying, you know, if you Google, you know, am I trans, what they will give you is you will find a list of symptoms, so-called symptoms that are vague, that make virtually everyone sound like they might be trans. Have you ever been uncomfortable in your body? Did you ever, do you ever feel imperfectly feminine? Do you not fit in with other girls? These are things that are so commonplace among adolescent girls that it's ridiculous, but, but the internet is very happy to furnish the answer that you're probably trans. And this very much goes hand in glove with what's going on in our school systems, which push gender ideology very hard. Tell me about the schools. So the schools now in California, it's extremely pervasive, aggressive and radical. From age kindergarten on, they have a gender identity curriculum. So it's sexual orientation, gender identity curriculum that parents are not allowed to opt out of. They think they are, but they they package it not in the sex education curriculum, but in the anti-bullying curriculum. And they say for anti-bullying, we need all the kids to learn this. And teachers will actually present gender options to kids and they will teach them the view they will teach them the radical view that they that they were assigned a gender at birth by a doctor, but they might actually be a different gender and they invite them to choose. And this goes on with more aggressive and thorough indoctrination from kindergarten through high school. So this is reason 443 not to send your child to a school. And and in fact, if you decide, if you have an epiphany one day because you want to get acceptance and you want to make friends and your epiphany is, I'm, I'm not really a girl, I'm a boy, P- please call me Clive. The school, and this is true in California, it's also true in New York, New Jersey, and other places I've heard from parents, they, 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 school policy is to recognize you as a boy, let you use the boys' room, put you with the boys on overnight trips and to keep that a secret from your parents. And that's what they do. Who's behind this? There, there are a lot of activists pushing this. I can only say I got very deep into the California public school system. And one of the things I learned to my actual shock, believe it or not, was that there is no difference between activists and teachers. So the activists actually train teachers. They come into the teachers unions. They provide all the materials. The materials for this the curriculum are extremely radical. They're provided by activist groups and um, they do the teacher training. And in some cases, they actually come in and coach the GSA, the Gay Straight Alliance Clubs that are in all the schools. Um, the Gay Straight Alliance Club was supposed to just be a safe haven for gay kids. What it actually is very often is an opportunity to indoctrinate children in gender ideology. Is this disproportionately run by females? Uh, what? The Gay Straight Alliance? No, or, or... The, 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 the whole curriculum that you're describing. I'm not sure about that. Um, I think there are a lot of different folks involved in this, but it is extremely radical. Um, they they push, you know, they encourage anal sex extremely hard. I mean, they encourage, you know, all sorts of, you know, experimentation along gender and, and sexual lines that is so beyond what would possibly be necessary in an anti-bullying curriculum. You really realize that there's something else they have in mind. And what is it that they have in mind? The end of gender distinction? I, I, yes, and I think they want to free these children from their parents. I mean, one of the things that is in the California framework is they define something called spiritual abuse. Spiritual abuse is when a person, a person uses their religious beliefs to, confu- to ins- make you follow their sex beliefs about sex and gender, 
Okay. Well, what if you do that with your secular beliefs? That's fine. <laughs> right. So basically what they're telling children is they're putting it in their minds. Your parents are probably abusing you. Um, this is this is so implicit in all of their anti-bullying curriculum is that who are the bad guys? The bad guys are the parents. They're the is ones. Is this happening in schools in Boise, Idaho? You know what? I don't know. I know it's in the Tonius schools throughout the country. The private schools love this stuff. Um, I hear from very often girls' schools. This is spreading through girls' schools like, you know, wildfire. Um, I will get calls from the most elite, parents of the most elite private schools in New York who will tell me that 15 or 20 or 30 percent of their daughter's seventh grade class now identifies as transgender. What percentage? Of 15 or 20 or 30 percent. In, in these private Tony in these schools. private schools, Yeah. I'm telling you, you know, I thought I knew a fair amount about this, but this is revelatory. And the problem, of course, is what they then do with this. So in other words, if they they wanted to go around saying they were a boy, that sounds harmless enough. But very soon they are pushed to the next step. I mean, if you're if you say you're a boy, you know, people effectively say, "Okay, prove it. So now comes hormones and surgeries and, and they, you know, change the body in ways that cannot be changed back. Without parental permission? some In some cases, without parental yeah, permission I, I or, to, or I, even a therapist note. And doctors will do this? Doctors will do this, yes. 17, 16-year-olds get, get their breasts removed. I on know. Their, I know I've reported yeah. that. Yeah. So what is the percentage today that the CDC says is transgender? Well, we know that 2% of high school students are now identifying as transgender. This is a massive increase. And historically, it, aff- it afflicted 0.01% of the population. 0.01%. One-tenth of 1%. Right. 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 One, isn't that 100? Or oh, one, one hundredth yeah. of 1%. One hundredth, yeah. yeah. I was afraid to say yeah. such a small number. It's now gone, so it has skyrocketed. Skyrocketed, that's right. Or is it a thousand times more common? I mean, is that what it means? Uh, I think a little more than that because uh, two. I don't know, but uh, even if it's a thousand, it's right. a lot. Uh, I'm just the whole thing is 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 mind blowing, and I asked you at the end. So a girl 15 says, "I'm a boy. I want to get rid of my breasts." There is a surgeon who will remove her breasts. Sure. So the age of medical consent consent varies across by state. In Oregon, it's 15. So I've talked to you know surgeons who remove uh, girls' breasts at age 16. You've talked to them. Yeah, they're in the book. So you wait, know. you've talked to them. Yeah, I've interviewed them. The surgeons who did, who did, perform these. Did surgeries. they know how you felt about this? Well, I mean, the book's an exploration. So in part, I wanted to learn. No, no, I, yeah. I have no problem with yeah. you talking to them. I'm glad you did. I just want to know why they would talk to you. Because I came to them as someone who wanted to find out. I mean, look, I thought. That sounds monstrous to me, but I wanted to know maybe I'm maybe I'm missing something. And here. are you missing something, or is it monstrous? I I think I think I came away not as upset with them as I had thought, and I'll tell you why because they really have been the. This is pushed so hard by the culture, and there have been so many lies around it that of all the people, you know, doctors. Do I think that a doctor should destroy the biological capacity of anybody? No, um, that's not their Hippocratic oath, right? Especially based on vague, vague self-diagnosis, which is what these girls are supplying. But when they described for me their you know, willingness to do it and how happy the girls were and excited they were, you know, I realized that you know, 
we've allowed these lies to continue, and that is that these girls are being saved by it. That the sui- that they they are That's saved what from the doctor suicide. Believes. Right. I've saved her. Now him from suicide. That's what a lot of doctors I've talked to believe, yes, that they, they, they think they're saving. Now, is that correct? No, as I point out in the book. That's the, way over. So the breasts yeah. are removed. What else is done to them? All kinds of things. Like? So, um, well, r- the thing to know is that men and women are morpho- morphologically and very different, you know, biologically. So the surgeries never end essentially. So there is, because you never really look like a man, no matter what you do. So there's, um, there's phalloplasty. Now phalloplasty is not as common for these girls. Thank, thank goodness, because it's extremely um, risky surgery. Um, But what they do is they de-sleeve the forearm and try to create something that looks like uh, what they call a neophallus. It's supposed to look like a penis, but to get it to function requires several, often requires several other surgeries, some of which don't go the way they're supposed to. And I talked to people who had both, you know, who had botched phalloplasties as well in the book. There is a writer who I've had on the show who amazingly still writes for USA Today I'm sure you would know his name if I if I if I remembered it, and uh, he speaks about the, an organization of people who regret having done this. You asked about why so many girls in in university are now identifying young teenager girls, and one of the reasons is it's not a lot of these girls are white girls, and it's not so easy to be a white girl on campus, and it the opportunity to escape into a victim identity is really alluring and trans is one of the few victim identities you can choose for yourself. My quiet is that I, I'm assimilating. I, I am convinced Orwell could, could not have imagined this or, or Huxley, the brave new world. This transcends the, uh, the wildest dystopian dreams or novels that have been written. Again, folks, uh, this woman knows how to write, and she's done her work. She writes regularly for the Wall Street Journal. Abigail Schreier, S-H-R-I-E-R, Irreversible Damage, the Transgender Craze Seducing Our Daughters. What's happening with the book on Amazon? So Amazon refused my publisher the opportunity to sponsor an ad for the book. Retailers are allowed to sponsor ads. So on Amazon, if you do a search for my book, if you type in, say, transgender book or transgender craze or something, um, you know, it will suggest a number of products. But we were not allowed to sponsor an ad. And what they do allow, however, is sponsoring. They do allow sponsored ads for all kinds of books that encourage girls to medical medical transition. Um, They just won't sponsor an ad for a book that's skeptical that this is a very good idea for young girls. And did you say something to me about reviews? Oh, um, right now they're not, they don't seem to be allowing reviews right now. And we're, my publisher is working to figure out why they have blocked reviews for my book, but hopefully that'll, hopefully that will be fixed. I, I don't know. Goodreads specifically allowed all kinds of readers to write, to accuse me of transphobia before the book had even been out. So, uh, I'm flooded with that on Goodreads. Transphobia. Yeah. I, I mean, I would just say that my book is a very, I believe, very objective. I tried really hard. I interviewed everyone for this book, um, from transgender adults who were lovely to all sorts of, you know, you know, um, activists and whatnot. And I, I would just say that, you know, it is an, it's an objective look at whether these girls are on a good path. 
And if you it's it's worth hearing all sides on this issue. Unfortunately, Amazon doesn't want you to hear it, but I think it's worth for worth it for any parent to hear all sides of the issue. Okay. Thank you. The book is up at DennisPrager.com. Abigail Schreier, you've done a service. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review. Our program is coming today in partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. It's America's most unique graduate leadership programs offered on Pepperdine's breathtaking campus in Malibu, California. Learn more at publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu. If you're enjoying the podcast, please tell a friend to go to Town Hall Review and sign up as well today. This is Jerry Boyer of Town Hall Finance for townhall.com. The Trump administration is going after public corporations for playing politics. After years of ideologues dominating everything from social media companies to investment banks, our government is now putting them under scrutiny. The SEC is reviewing so-called environmental social governance funds, which often participate in ideological activism as a form of, quote, risk management. The Justice Department is on board, too, having recently proposed a substantial revision to the legal code that has protected social media companies since 1996. Corporate leaders have responsibilities to their shareholders, namely providing a reasonable return on their investment as stewards of their money. Corporate activists have been selling their politics under the guise of risk management, thus pushing corporations to the left with no consequences. There was a time when kowtowing to pet causes of the left seemed like it was a safe option. That certainly isn't true anymore. Publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu.